This is week three of our series that we're calling Win Your Battle. How many got some battles? The rest of you don't have battles? All right. How, how many know what the big battle is right now? Okay. It's important that you know what your battle is. It's important because it's going to help you in this series. And what we're, what we're understanding in this series is that our, our battles often have a spiritual origin. And we don't think of it that way, but they really do. And so we need to learn how to win our battles in the spiritual or the spirit world. It's real. You can't see it, but it exists. And so in week one, we taught you to utilize your spiritual armor. There's both offensive and defensive weapons there. God's given them to us. And last week, I really appreciate Carrie teaching us about the idea that we can overcome temptation and sin. And let me just say this in case you're wondering or confused. It is not a sin to be tempted. It's only a sin to sin. All right? Everybody gets tempted. That's just part of life. But, but not giving into it is really the key. And so let's begin with our series verse this morning. Out of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. How does the world wage war against people with human weapons? Verse 4, the weapons we fight with or are supposed to fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So we've got these amazing spiritual weapons that work and win in the spiritual realm. But here's the problem. Many of us are not in the fight. We're not actually in the fight. Maybe you had an experience like I did as a, as, as a kid. Um, when I was about, I don't know, 8, 10 years old, I was really into, I think I read about it in a, in a I, I was one of those guys that read the world book encyclopedia. Just sit through and read, start reading. Come on, you know, that was just me. And uh, I was really into the pirate Blackbeard. Even named a cat after the pirate Blackbeard. <laughs> Right, but 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 you know, this was back in the day, sword fighting. You know that was that was you know, and I was really into that. My my cousin came from the big city, and I, if those of you that don't know, I'm a I'm a farm boy from southern Minnesota, so I'm a southern boy, and uh, and so uh, we we wanted to make some swords. So we my my grandfather had been building a house, and so he had some extra siding, and I don't know if you've ever used that old siding, but it's as flimsy as all get out. But we cut it down. We made these swords that were about this long, you know, the crossbar and the handle. And we were ready to go when a wasp came into the barn that we were at. And we decided we were going to duel the wasp. Who won? Mm -hmm. I got stings all the way down my arm. The, the sword broke in half. I mean, it was, it was a disaster. Now, here's, here's how that applies to what we're talking about here. Too often, we've had spiritual battles, and we got stung. We didn't do something that we knew, maybe we didn't even know we were supposed to do. And so what happens is, we let that experience leave us doubting our ability to win spiritual battles with spiritual weapons. And so we just think, well, you know, I can't do this. So today, I want to help you learn how to fight to win. Now, if you're just starting your spiritual journey uh, with God or even towards God, this may all seem a little overwhelming, so I just want to give you a, a, just a kind of foundational truth here. You may not know it, but you have an enemy, and he's out to destroy you. The Bible says in John 10.10, 10, the thief comes 
only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I am come that they might have life and enjoy life and have it in abundance. In other words, to the full till it overflows. Isn't that a good thing? And so what the enemy wants you to do, or wants to do, is he wants to stop you from taking any steps with God. He just wants to hold you back. And that's why oftentimes it's easier to get up for school or work on Monday morning than it is to get up for church on Sunday. Because the enemy, he's always resisting. He's always pushing back against us. And so he, he, want, he doesn't want you to take any steps. And so the good news is, and we sang about it this morning, Jesus has already won the battle. So I like to fight battles where it's rigged. And I'm on the winning side. So you need to understand. I mean, I'm going to talk about fighting to win today, but you need to understand he already won the battle. So we're not trying to technically defeat the enemy. What we're trying to do, and our part in this, is to enforce the victory that Jesus already bought for us on the cross. So that's the mindset. You're not out there, you know, dueling demons and all that. They're real. But, but, you're, but Jesus already won. And if we're aligned with him, it's going to work out. So what we've got to do is we've got to learn how to fight. Now, before, before I teach you some ways to, to learn to fight to win, there's some reasons that we don't typically even get in the fight. Let me look at those for a minute. What, so the question is, what keeps you out of the fight? For many of us, it's fear. Fear. And, and the idea is, what if I get stung? Some of us, we remember the story from the book of Acts where the sons of Sceva said, uh, we cast out these demons in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. They didn't have a relationship with Jesus, and they were trying to cast out demons. And if you know the story, what happened is the demons, uh, they attacked those men, the seven sons of Sceva, and, and they stripped them naked, and they ran out of the house naked through the people that were in the house. That was demonic work. And some of you are like, man, if I start fighting, the enemies are going to tear me up the key, the key is to be on the right side so you can't so if you got stung don't let that keep you away but here's what first corinthians 15 54 says because there's a sting it says when, then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die this scripture will be fulfilled death is swallowed up in victory by the way dying after fought, having lived a good life for jesus and and doing what he called you to do is not the worst thing it says here, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is, is the sting that results in death. That's why we die, because of sin. And the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. And, I, and, and here, here's what I love about how God led the Apostle Paul to write this book. And the fact that it's not that, that's just not a great fact. Woohoo, we win. It's so there's a purpose. So, my dear brothers and sisters, verse 58, be strong and immovable. On what? Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Another translation says in vain. It's not in vain. Jesus, Jesus won. He took the sting of sin and death. And so we have nothing to fear if we're on his side. I love this verse because it's transformed my life uh, over the years. 1 John 4, 4 says, You are of God little children and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. said that verse out loud thousands of times. What I love about this verse right here 
it's that he calls us little children. Doesn't really sound like a big mighty warrior, does it? But why? We, why does he call us little children? Because we're seeking after God. That's what we're trying to do. We're seeking him. And yet, at the same time, we have the one who is greater than anything we face in the world living on the inside if we belong to Jesus Christ. The New Living says, but you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. If you need some more verses, check out 2 Timothy 1.7 and Hebrews 2 verses 14 and 15. So one of the things that keeps us on the sideline is fear. Here's the second one, indifference. Indifference. You've heard probably this term being talked about recently in the business world. It's quiet quitting. You're kind of there, but you're not doing nothing, right? And it's not very, you're not being productive. And so for, for many of us, maybe our drift from really being what we would say on fire for God, wanting to live for Him, wanting to serve Him, has been slow and unnoticeable to most of the people around you. But you know. You know. And that's a dangerous place to be. Because what happens with indifference is you just stop reading your Bible. You stop spending time with God. But because you happen to hear a few worship songs or sing a few worship songs on Sunday or go to church or, or you know, just say, well, I love God. Here's the thing. In indifference, you really don't think of yourself as having stopped reading the Bible. Let me say it another way. You quit. You're here, so I'm not talking to you. But you quit attending church. And, but you think of yourself as still being part of the church, even though you pulled away from the church. Right? It's indifference. See, indifference is thinking it really doesn't matter. Doesn't make a difference. Here's what Deuteronomy 30, 19 says. Moses said there to the children of Israel, today I've given you the choice between life and death. And what do we always want? Blessings. He says, and blessings, between blessings and curses, now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants may live. See, the problem with being indifferent is that the enemy will steal, kill, and destroy from you and your family. He doesn't just stop at you. He stops at every, he, he keeps going to anybody connected to you. He is looking to steal, to kill, and destroy. And so the choices we make matter. And so I want to encourage you. we got to get in the fight. Turn to somebody and tell them, get in the fight. Here's the third thing that will keep you out of the fight. Passivity. Passivity. Some of us, we are good at avoiding conflict at all costs. We just don't want it. We, we just don't like conflict. There now, there's probably a few of you that just create conflict because you think that's fun. But that'll be a different message, so we won't talk about that today. How, how many? Of you, okay, I see y'all are self-admitting. You just stir things up. The line for casting out demons will be over here after. So no, I'm kidding. But some of us just avoid avoid conflict. But and, but we've got to learn. We're in conflict. We're in a war with the devil. Now, we already want it, but we got to enforce it. we got to enforce it. James 4, 7 says, so humble yourselves before God. If you're going to be passive towards anyone, be passive towards God in the sense that you're not trying to tell him what to do. You're listening for what he wants you to do, and then you do that. That's the way to be passive. But the next phrase, the next verse, uh, ver, uh, sentence says, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. 
It, it, it's like deciding you're going to be, you know, you're going to get in shape with resistance training and just standing there holding the, the resistance. <laughs> you're just passive. Ain't going to build no muscles. You get, no, you got to do something. you you got to resist. And by the way, whether you like it or not, whether you know it or not, you're already in a spiritual war. And he, here's the thing. If you don't resist the enemy, you have already lost. He's going to do whatever he wants. And some of you, the reason that you're mad at God, and I didn't plan to say this, but I, I just sense that the Lord wants me to say this. Some of you are mad at God or dismiss the things of God because you think God didn't do what he was supposed to do. But the reality is God gave you and I the authority to do it. And if we don't do it, then it's just going to happen. Because God's not just master puppeter that's just, just, you know, just trying to control all of our lives. He's given us free will. We, we, we got to get in the fight. Amen? And so, so, so don't lose from the get-go. Get, get fighting. Amen? Now, the problem is, why are we passive? And one of the reasons we're often passive is because we're focusing on our condition instead of our position. We're thinking how bad we got it, how hard it is, what we're going through, instead of thinking about who am I in Christ? What is my position there? And so what we end up doing is we end up again uh, fighting against people instead of spirits. We end up fighting against uh, symptoms instead of root causes. To win, we've got to focus on our position in Christ and defeat those demonic forces or enforce the, the victory that we already have. So, although... Talking about your position in Christ could be a whole series in itself. I want to just give you a couple thoughts about who you are. If you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, this is who you are. Here's, here's the first one. You are seated in the heavenly realms. You sang about it already this morning. I am seated. I'm not stretched. Oh, Siri thinks I'm talking to her. <laughs> and that's like some of us. Well, I'm not sure I understand. How am I seated in he heavenly realms? I'm on this chair, and life is pretty miserable. Come on, look with me in Ephesians 2.4. But God is so rich in mercy, and He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It is only by grace that you've been saved. Look at verse 6. For He raised us from the dead, spiritual dead, along with Christ... Now, this is a whole other message, but i got to go there. We, we'll just take the time. Here's the thing. Everything that God bought for you in Christ happened when he was on the cross. So, so your thing that you're going through was in Christ while he was on the cross. Right? That's why it says, he raised us from the dead along with Christ. We were in that resurrection. He was just waiting on us to say, yes, God, I surrender my life to you. And he seated us with who? Him. Who's that? Jesus. In the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Key word there, united. Now this is not about location, earth or heaven. This is about position with Christ. We have spiritual life through faith in Christ. We, have a we, we live and operate from a position of power <clears throat> because we're united with Christ Jesus. So the question to ask is, how united am I with Christ Jesus? By the way, if it's not where it needs to be, he didn't move. He's always been there, right? Now, there's something really great about positioning. 
Um, and, and, and I want, I want, I want the guys to put up this, this image. What do you see here? Isn't that cub cute? But what does that cub think he's doing? He's on the prowl. He's going to go get him some prey. He's going to go get something to eat, right? Why can that little cub be so bold? Because the lion of the tribe of Judah, as the Bible talks about Jesus, is behind him. And so when we go to the fight, we are, in the devil's eyes, we're the little cub. But it's so good because, because Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah and he already won and the devil knows it. And when we, we line up with Jesus, we're going to have the victory. Isn't that right? Amen. So, so we've got to understand that. And so he's there to protect us and watch over us and guide us and encourage us in this journey. So we're seated in heavenly places with Christ. And he's also made us, here's the second thought, more than conquerors. We sang about that this morning too. Romans 8.37 says, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors. How? Through him who loved us. Jesus. Turn to somebody and say, I'm more than a conqueror. Tell them, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Amen. you you got to have some of that fight. The, the New Living Translation there says we have overwhelming victory overwhelming what does that mean it's the difference between winning by one run all you baseball fans and winning 15 to nothing I just got to find out who are my 18 inning people here any I turned it on in the 11th I got a whole game anyway but I mean you know that's a nail-biter that's not overwhelming victory. I mean, you know, if you're a football fan, overwhelming victory is what Texas did to Oklahoma last week, 49 to nothing. Now, come on, that's an, that's an overwhelming victory. Sorry, all you Oklahoma fans. The problem of that many of us have, and here's the real issue, is that we're, we're like the soldiers on the landing beaches of Normandy in World War II. In his book, Men Against Fire, author S.L.A. Marshall says, only five infantry companies on Omaha Beachhead, and that's on June 6, 44, were tactically effective. In these companies, one-fifth of the men fired their weapons during the day-long advance from the water's edge to the first row of villages. So there was a total of not more than 450 men consistently firing their weapons over a six-mile span that was Omaha Beach. And yet they took ground. Well, what would have happened if they all would have fired their weapons? So the question is, are you in the fight? Are you in the fight? Or are you just holding on to your weapons? Too fearful, too indifferent, too passive to fight. Maybe you're hoping the prayer team does the fighting for you. Now, honestly, we love to pray, but you need to pray too, not just the prayer team. Amen? Now, what, what you, you need to feel like, you, you need to, to fight the devil like a cat caught in the corner. And there's no way going back. The only way out is through you. 
That's what it needs to be. Well, we, we've got our backs against the wall. We have Jesus behind us, and we're going to go take ground against the enemy. Some of you, you've got to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. You've got to be sick and tired of all that the enemy stole from you, all that he stole from your family, all the things, all the, all the tragedy, all the heartache, all the things that you've gone through that you let the enemy do. Now, don't get down on yourself, but you've got to decide, it's time I'm going to stand up and I'm going to fight. I'm not going to give in. So how do we fight to win? I'm going to give you four essentials this morning. Here's the first one. Will. Your will. You've got to decide you want to be in it. See, the problem with the soldiers on Omaha Beach on D-Day was that only one in five actually fired their weapons. If there's four or five of you in your household as a family, are you all fighting? Not with each other. They said, we got that down. And one of the reasons that's going the way it is because you're not, you're not turning yourselves against the real enemy who's trying to destroy your family. See, I would offer that one in five firing their weapons is probably true in most churches. But four are kind of along for the ride. And only one in five is actually exercising their will to fight to win. I'd like to see that number, that percentage go up. Amen? Another survey from World War II found that the best showing that could be made by the most spirited and aggressive companies of soldiers was that one man in four had made some use of his firepower. The rest of them were incapacitated. They, they didn't fight. So what's the point? Having weapons and having the will to use the weapons are not the same thing. God's already given us the weapons, but you've got to decide you're, you you're going to pick them up. But you're going to go to war with them. Amen? Many years ago, I was going through a hard time, and, and the Lord led me to this verse, and I've come back to it many times. But this is, this is what we have to be in this, in this war that we've already won, but we're enforcing the victory with the enemy. It's Isaiah 57, 50 verse 7. For the Lord will help me. You're not in this alone. He's going to help you. Therefore, I will not be disgraced. What do we think? We're going to, we're going to take ground for, for God. We're going to fight and resist the enemy. And all of a sudden, it's going to go bad. And then we're going to feel like, well, that just you know, I'm either bringing disgrace on myself or God. No, 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 no. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint. You know what that means? Like a stone. Like a rock. Immovable. And I know that I will not be ashamed. Now. The truth is, this, this was a prophetic verse about Jesus. But we're in Christ, so that can also be true about us. Amen? So, how about you? Have you set your face like a flint to serve God? Are you, are you all in? Have you set your face like a flint to fight your battle, to win, to, to fight for your family against every strategy of the enemy? The world thinks that their strategy is just about money, but the devil wants to use it to destroy your family. Are you going to fight against that? Do you have the will to use your weapons of war? You say, yeah, I think so. But here's the truth. Many of us, we're drawn away to entertainment, to pleasure, to substances, and we don't even see that he's attacking. We're just numb to it all. I'm just having a good time. No, the enemy's on the prowl. Often, in the face of an enemy attack, we wilt 
instead of will ourselves to fight in the battle. we got to get in the battle. See, so often what we're led by is feelings instead of faith. Author R. Arthur Matthews says this, A person in this frame of mind focuses on his condition rather than his position and is easy meat for the roaring lion. Now, we follow the line of the tribe of Judah, but there's another imposter who's a roaring lion. And by the way, um, a little bit I learned about lions. Apparently, when they're roaring, they don't, they, don't have much, they don't have much power at that point. They're just trying to intimidate the enemy. So you're going to hear a lot of roaring from the enemy. That doesn't mean he has power. you got the line of the tribe of Judah on your side. Amen? So, so let's subject our will to God's will. And let's get in the fight. Let's, let's, let's go to work. For how long? Till we win, till we get the freedom we need in Christ in some area, till we get the victory in some area, till you get out of debt, till you, till the family comes back together, till forgiveness rules and reigns in your family instead of arguing and fighting and fussing, whatever it is, you until you win, you stay in it. So the first essential is you got to have the will to fight. Here's the second: your walk, your walk. This is all about your relationship with God. That's, that's what it's about. The first step to a relationship with God is to put our faith in Jesus, to forgive our sins, and, and to surrender our lives to Him. When we do that, then we're on the team. So to have a walk with God, though, you must invest in your relationship with God. It take, you're investing this morning, and that's awesome. But how else do we do it? Through His Word, through the Bible. Through being in a group. We just, we just keep leaning into it. In fact, when you're really serving God, your life becomes focused on how I'm going to spend more time with Him and His people on some level. See, here's the thing about our walk with God. All of you have, how many of you got some things you're battling? Come on, let's just remind yourself. You all got some things you're battling? Part of this walk with the Lord, the idea is to displace what the enemy has in us and get rid of that. Not that, I'm not saying you're possessed of the devil, but they, he has, he has toeholds. He has things that, are, that he's destroying, killing, and, and working in your life. And, and you've got to displace that with something. To displace is to oust or dislodge. In other words, it's there and you want it out. So how do we displace demonic influences in our lives? Pretty simple. By living in spiritual order. You say, what's that? 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. See, most of us grow up living in spiritual disorder. We live based on what our body tells us, our flesh tells us to do, what we want to touch, experience, taste, right? We feed it and we tend to that body. How, how many of you love your body? You say, well, I wish it was 10 pounds less, but you know, hey, don't we all, right? But, but the, the body, our physical, our flesh demands that our soul, our mind, our will, and yes, our will, did you get that? And our emotions, it, it pushes our soulish area to act in certain ways. And what we do, most of us don't even know that we are truly, according to this verse, we are a spirit. We have a soul. And we live in a body. So that spirit is dead to God until you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And at that moment, you become alive to God. And now you can have a relationship with God. 
But when we live body to soul to ignoring spirit, then we are in spiritual disorder. You ever gone up to a gas pump and it says out of order? That's what our lives look like spiritually, and wonder, we wonder why we can't win. Because we, we're not in spiritual order. So that's why we're in bondage to sin. That's why we're given into the lies and our thoughts from the enemy. And so the only way to displace the enemy in our lives is to get back into spiritual order. Now, it's possible, and it's not as hard as you think. Very possible. Because when we're born again, our spirit becomes alive to God. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So now our spirit is alive and we're, we're one with God. But here's the issue. When our bodies do not get fed, they get louder. Ever notice that? So you're like, is she going to wrap this up? I've got a little <laughs> growling going on over here. You know, you're sitting there, was that him or was that you? Was that you? Well, you know? Yeah, our, bo our body gets louder when it doesn't get what it wants. But when our spirit, listen, when our spirit is underfed, it gets quieter. You don't even know it. See, when what could be happening, you say, well, God hasn't been talking to me much lately. He could be silent because you're not feeding your spirit. A starved dog will not bark much when it gets to a certain point. And you say, well, that's terrible. But think about, is your spirit in that same place? When was the last time you really spent some time feeding your spirit? See, and it's not just that I go to church or not just that I read my Bible today, but are you feeding your spirit in proportion to the level of spiritual battle that you're fighting? Because there's times that you're just, you know, God's working. It seems like things are going good. And then sometimes it's all uphill. So the time to get more feeding in your spirit is before it turns to all uphill. Because when it's downhill, it's going back to uphill. That's just life. It looks like this, hopefully, not like this. So we've got to, we've got to understand. So, so what's, what's, what's the key? You've got to feed on the Scriptures. Before you even get in a battle, before you get there, feed on the Scriptures. you got to put the Word in your mouth. you got to let God's Word work in your life. So you feed your spirit until your, your spirit is strong enough so that it's calling the shots, not your soul and not your body. That would have been a good place for an amen. Because it's true. Right? you got to feed your spirit. So... Even if your soul, your mind, will, emotions, even if your body is calling loudly for attention, if you're feeding your spirit right, you will hear, and it will not be a yell, it will not be a scream. The Bible talks about the Spirit of God being a still, small voice. You will know what to do. So, a well-fed spirit has more power than a loud body, a loud soul, a loud mind, a loud emotions. So, we fight to win by will. Walk. Here's the third one. Third one. Weapons. And I'm not even going to talk about this one. Because that was week one. I want you to go back and re-listen to week one. Go back and listen to it. I talked all about your weapons. You need those weapons. And here's the fourth thing. Your words. Your words. The fight to win, you've got to activate your mouth. Well, I'm, I'm just, I don't say much. But you say things. 
question is, what's on your lips? What are, what's, what are you saying? If you, want, if you want to fight to win, you've got to put God's word on your lips, in your mouth, through your tongue. In Matthew 4, after 40 days of fasting, Jesus faces a direct attack of the, of, of the enemy. And, and, he, and there's three basic temptations we don't have time to go into. But in Matthew 4, 4, the, de- the devil comes and, and says basically, give in to your body's cravings. And Jesus says, but Jesus told him, underline those two words, told him. Didn't feel, didn't grunt. He told him. No, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. How you win the battle, you've got you to say something into your situation that's not your words, it's God's words. Then he came at him again, trying to get him to test God. Verse 7, Jesus responded. The scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. Gave him another scripture. And then finally Jesus tried to, or the devil tried to get Jesus to bow down to pride and, and to take all that. And verse 10 says, get out of here, Satan. Jesus told him. For the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. What's the point? In every temptation, Jesus responded with a scripture. He knew the scripture well enough, and he just didn't say, well, I'm believing it. He spoke it. You, you, you've got to speak into the spirit world like the devil standing right in your kitchen. You, you've, you've got to use your mouth. You've got to activate your mouth. And when you do that, whatever the thought, whatever the situation, you have a chance at winning. You're going to win. You say, how long do I speak it out loud? That verse, 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. For years, I have said that every morning in my prayer time. Years before that, I was saying it on my way to work. When I, when I got a job that I thought I was in over my head in the business world, I would say that. I would have fear. I said, no, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And I spoke until I could walk through that door uh, uh, into that client. And I knew that not that I was the best auditor, the best accountant in the world, but I knew that God was on my side. And whatever happened today, I was operating from a place of victory and not defeat. And I want to challenge you to get to that place. We've got to fight to win. So your next step for today is use your position in Christ to fight to win. Let's bow our heads this morning. Father, we come to you this morning and we're so grateful that we don't have to do this on our own. Father, you have paid the price by sending what cost you dearly, your son Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins. And Father, I thank you that by faith in you, we are positioned with you. And so Father, this morning, I want to pray for every person today that is just struggling. You're in a battle, but they... They've just not seen the victory. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a financial battle. Maybe it's a family battle. Maybe it's a a work situation. Whatever it is, Father, I just thank you today that you're going to give them the courage and you're going to give them the strength to walk this out, to fight to win. And Lord, I just declare victory in their temptations over what their struggles are. Lord, I just thank you that you work in their lives. In Jesus' name, with every head bowed, every eye closed, you that are with us online, 
just pausing what you're doing. And I want to give you an opportunity. Maybe this morning you say, you know what, I, I have not surrendered my life to Jesus. I, I've been trying to do this on my own, and it's not working. But I want to surrender my, my, my life to the Lord this morning. I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus. That's you. I'm not going to ask you to come down front. I'm not going to ask you to say anything. But I just want, I want to ask you to lift your hand. Put your hand in the air and just say, I, I want, I'm putting my faith and trust in Jesus today. If that's you, just hold that hand up high. Amen. You can put those hands down. And then let's all say it with those who lifted their hands. Anybody else that wants to get on this, let's just, let's just pray to the Lord. And uh, again, say it with your mouth. Heavenly Father, say it like you mean it. Heavenly Father, I come to you today. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins. To make me a new person from the inside out. God, I turn away from that old life. And I turn to you. God, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And that you raised him from the dead. And so, Jesus, I ask you today, be my Savior, be my Lord. I surrender to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we celebrate with those who made that decision? Amen.